We're going to turn to God's Word now, and uh, Sarah's going to come and read for us from Colossians chapter 3, and then Steve will preach. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 11. Um, This reading can be found on page 1184 of the Church Bible. Living as those made alive in Christ. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Jew, Gentile nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Thank you very much, Sarah, for uh, reading that part of God's word for us this evening. Uh, It's good to, to get together to... Uh, look at God's word. Let's just have another word of prayer before we turn to it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have given us your word to uh, teach us all that we need to know. We thank you that in it is uh, given not only a description and a history of, of what you have done, but your purposes behind it all, that you have revealed something of your nature and your character uh, and your glory to us as well. And Lord, we pray that this evening you'd open our eyes and our hearts that we might understand it better and see your truth more clearly. For we ask these things for your name's sake. Amen. One of the things that is often levelled at preachers by way of criticism uh, is the the comments that get made sometimes, oh, he's not very good on application. You know, preaches a long sermon and that they're waiting at the congregation waiting for the bit at the end that tells you what you must do and if it gets left out then uh, there's sometimes a little bit of grumbling not necessarily uh, within the fellowship but certainly over the the, the dinner table following um, there's it could be said that some families seem to thrive on a diet of roast preacher uh, on Sundays Uh, That sort of criticism couldn't be levelled at Paul in his letters because not only does he write about the deep truths of uh, of the nature of God and his ways in this world, but uh, he almost invariably goes on to explain what that means for us. And we're coming into one of those passages we've started over the last couple of weeks where Paul is beginning to draw out the implications and applications of the truths he's been speaking about. 
I say implications and applications because almost invariably um, Paul lays out a truth, and it's not just Paul, it's the other writers as well, lays out a bit of truth and then draws implications from that for what it means for us people who's reading these letters, and then goes on and applies it in, in by giving examples of how that might look in our lives. Um, the Apostle Peter did something very, very clearly of that nature uh, in his second letter, one, uh, 2 Peter chapter 3 in verse 11. He's just been writing about the end of the world, the, the way that uh, the world would be brought to an end, there'd be destruction, uh, and the day of the Lord would come, that day when he comes as judge, and to bring uh, everything uh, to, to a close until the dawn of a new age, uh, when we, uh, we Christians go to be with God in heaven. And he says this, since everything will be destroyed in this way, so he's talking about a principle there, what kind of people ought you to be? That's a very clear link then, isn't it? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. The implication is that this truth that one day God, uh, Jesus is going to come again in power and glory to judge the world, it, the implication of that is that it should have an effect upon the lives of those of us who live in this world. And then he goes on and he applies it to show how that works out. Um, Paul has been doing the same thing uh, in Colossians. Uh, let me just uh, take uh, one example. Go back to chapter 2 uh, and verse 6. He's been writing previously about the, uh, how great Jesus is and how everything in him uh, is what we need. Uh, he's talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ um, and taking, talking about him being our Lord and our Master. So, uh, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6. So then, just as you received Jesus as Lord, that's the principle, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. That's the implication. Jesus is Lord. We should submit ourselves to his Lordship. And live our lives for him. And then he goes on and, uh, uh, and talks about uh, things we need to actually be doing. Or in this particular case, avoiding doing. Uh, making sure that no one takes us captive by uh, hollow philosophy and dece uh, being deceived. Uh, and there are other passages you could look at throughout his writings where he does something similar uh, to that. Romans chapter 8. Uh, he talked, uh, uh, talking there, uh, has been writing about all of the grace of God and how, uh, how, how uh, God, through Jesus Christ, through faith in him, we can be saved. And he then says, uh, therefore, I'm going to have to read this because I, my memory isn't what it used to be. Um, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And he goes on and explains how that works out. It explains how the new life that we have, we can live it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he get, as he goes through the passage, uh, he draws out one very, very important application, implication and application, that there's no condemnation. Because there is no condemnation, uh, nothing can separate us from God's love. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us and gave himself for us. Uh, 
one final example of this application implicate. There's a reason for going through this because it may seem obvious, but we do fall into a trap. Uh, one final example of this, uh, Romans chapter 12. He's been writing about the mercy of God. Again, all the wonderful things that God has done for us. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, that's the principle, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Not to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. That's the implication. And then he goes on and talks uh, about how we serve God and gives specific uh, examples of this and the different gifts that we have. And talks about how we should be people uh, who are loving, um, seeking to live at peace with everyone and so on and so forth. And that particular passage links very much with what he's writing in Colossians. Now, why am I making such a point about this? You may be saying, well, it's pretty obvious when you read it. The danger that we can fall into is that when we read through the scriptures, and particularly in a sense what we're doing and having to do as we go through the book of Colossians, taking a chunk at a time, chunk at a time, that we can lose the continuity. Uh, I, I suspect that most of us in our daily Bible readings don't sit there and read a whole book at one time. Maybe sometimes you do that. It's kind of difficult with some of the longer ones. Um, I'm not sure how many people in your uh, how many of you in your normal daily quiet time would read the whole of the book of Isaiah? Um, or even Psalm 109? Oh, we'll just read a psalm, Psalm 119. How many pages? You know. Um, but it's easy to separate the chunks out. And <laughs> when Nathan asked me to, to preach on this passage, I, I think my immediate response, oh, I love that passage. What I hadn't realized, it's only half the passage. I actually love the second half better, but there we go. Um, I'm looking forward to it next week, John. No, no, no pressure. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's easy. one of the things that draws me to this passage, and I, I confess my weakness here, is that it's one of those that is practical. It tells you what to do or what not to do. And that's fine, so long as you re remember the reason why it's telling you these things. Because it's so easy to, to, uh, to, to read the, this is what you do passages, and to concentrate on that, and it's got some nice sort of uh, you know, encouraging bits, you know, verse 12, you're God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion. Yeah, it's got lots of stuff there that is so nice and encouraging and helpful and brings joy to our hearts but it's easy then to fit into the, the category where these are just things that we do and we perhaps forget what lies behind it why we are being asked to do these things and how we're being asked to do these things and for, wha for what purpose we're being asked to do these things and then it can become a little bit sort of deadening to the soul and to the spirit Oh, yes, we are holy people because we don't do the things we're told not to do. And we do do at least some of the things that we are told to do. And so we must be good people. And that rather denies the, the truth that we've been reading about all the time, that we are not good people and that we cannot save ourselves by being good. That there's, uh, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do these things, but we have to remember that, the reason we do it 
is not just because we're trying to justify ourselves. And if we get into that way of thinking, then we start becoming judgmental on others who don't do these things or don't get it right as well. And you don't have to look very far before you find people like that because we're none of us perfect. So all my going on about uh, implications and applications and so on is a reminder that it's linking back to the stuff that we've already been hearing that tells us that we cannot save ourselves. In fact, the previous chapter, very specifically, uh, we're, we're told uh, n not to be judged by others according to their rules. I notice that uh, the older versions of the NIV, uh, in, in chapter 3, it has uh, rules for holy living. And it always struck me as being a little bit sort of odd that chapter 2 tells us not to obey rules for that sort of reason. And then and I notice now it's now living as those made alive in Christ, which I think is a far better title for chapter 3. But the danger is that we would end up being like those people that Paul is warning against in chapter 2. All rules, all sort of systems and getting things right and therefore we'll be okay. And then judging those who fall short. No. We come to uh, chapter 3. Paul introduces this and he says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Okay, there's a principle. We've been raised with Christ. Uh, he says in verse 3, uh, you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When it talks about us being raised with Christ, and particularly when it uh, says in verse 2, um, sorry, in verse 1, uh, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. It almost implies in some ways of thinking that we are being raised up to him like that. But actually what it's talking about is being raised from death. Verse 3, you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Uh, it's a, a, again a recurring theme uh, when you look at Jesus' teaching and the teachings of the, uh, of the apostles. Uh, Jesus himself said, you must be born again. Um, the apostle Paul wrote, which is, uh, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Uh, the old has gone. Behold, the new is here. 2 Corinthians 5.17 or uh, Galatians 2.20. Uh, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. These are indications that our lives, such as they were, have changed. In before we came to, to Christ, we were slaves to sin. We were dead in trespasses and sins, is the way the, the scripture uh, describes it. Let me read again from Ephesians. Sorry, there's so many different passages, but I, I just want to, to make sure you get this principle first. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. It's a description of life in this world. It's a description of our lives before coming to Christ and the lives of those yet to come to Christ. Verse 3, all of us 
uh, also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, our bodies, and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Get that? We all deserve the wrath of God for what we have been and done. None of us is good enough. Verse 4, though. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved, not by our works. You know, By grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus. That's now. That's not just looking forward to some time in the future. You have been raised up with Christ. And spiritually speaking, you sit with him in the heavenly realms. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us uh, in Christ Jesus. The best is yet to come, okay? But more. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now come back with me to Colossians 3, where Paul is saying much the same sort of thing, but a bit abbreviated. We've been raised with Christ. We've been given a new life in him. We are a new creation. The old has gone. Behold, the new has come. Uh, we have died and we have been risen and we've been raised with him. Seated at the right hand where, where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. It's a wonderful thought, isn't it? We've been raised with Christ and our uh, lives are now bound up in him. We are in Christ. And we have a new life. We're indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. He is, cha he is changing us. Yes, we still live in the body. So there is still that residual tendency towards sin. But the power of that has been broken. Because God is at work in us. And verse 4. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. The best is yet to come. Okay, so... That's the wonderful thing he's been describing. That is true of all of us who are Christians. We have everything we need in Christ. He died for us so as to take our punishment, to take the wrath of God on himself, which should have been ours. He did it for us. He was raised from the dead so that in him we too can be raised up and we are accepted by God even in his presence now. What a wonderful thing that is. But the wonderful thing is that that sets us free as well because we're now under no, we're not now under any condemnation. And the power of sin in our lives, although it is still there to trouble us, there is one who is greater in us now. He that is in us is greater than he who is in the world, goes the song, doesn't it? He is at work in us. And so what are we asked to do? We're asked to live 
according to that wonderful position we now find ourselves in. We have a new life. With it comes a new lifestyle. With it comes a, 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 a new principles that work within us. We fa face battles. The devil comes to tempt us. But in Christ, we can tell the devil to get lost. We don't have to listen to his temptations. We don't have to yield to them. You and I both know that we do and, and will continue to do so until the day that Jesus Christ comes again and we get new glorious bodies. But it's not to condemnation anymore because Christ has done it for us. And so what's he tell us to do? Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Our hearts and our minds seek the things of God. Again, you, you hear Paul echoing the words of Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and he'll provide our needs. Store up your treasure in heaven where there is no moth and no rust and no thieves break in and steal. Or uh, you know, setting our minds on things that are above, not here below. What's it gain a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul hearts and minds set on the things above how where your heart is that or sorry where your treasure is that's where your heart will be that's why jesus says to store up our treasure in heaven not bothering so much about the things of this world yeah there are things in this world we do have to be concerned about those of you uh, who have young, young children, you cannot just ignore uh, earthly things completely because your children will starve if that was the case. Y we all have to do things here on earth. We have to think about earthly things. But where our minds are focused and where our heart is uh, uh, belongs should be in heaven because that's where we belong now. That's where we're going. That's where the truth of God lies because that's where God himself is. And Jesus Christ seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us, talking to his Father about us. I think talking about both hearts and minds is important because uh, sometimes you know, we're, we're led by our hearts largely, aren't we? We do the things which our hearts desire. Fix our hearts on Jesus, we will desire to be with him. There, there are days, I'm sure, when all of us wake up or halfway through the day, and really the thought of being taken up with love for Jesus Christ, it's a bit of a struggle, isn't it? And that's where our minds kick in as well, to remind ourselves of what is right and what is pure and honourable and what we should be doing. We need both, don't we? So what does he say? He says, put to death, therefore, what belongs to your earthly nature, the flesh, in that sense. And he lists uh, various things there, sexual, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. There's all sorts of things taken up in that. Uh, he goes on with a, a, another uh, list, uh, saying, you know, you used to live like these uh, and and do these things. The second list he has, it, it, it probably uh, for those who might be thinking, well, I'm not like anyone in that first list. You know, I, I don't commit adultery and, um, you know, I, I'm not greedy and so on. You might be able to pat yourself on back in that sense. 
But of course, again, if you know your scriptures, you'll know that those things get applied not just to actual individual acts, but to our whole attitudes and our thoughts. And not everybody is beset by the same sins. And some, for some people, one sin is more of a problem than it is for other people. But we all fall short, don't we? And the second list in uh, verse 8 brings it home probably to everybody without excuses. Do not um, yeah, rid yourselves such things as these. Anger. Ever been angry with people? Got angry? You might not have said anything, done anything, but inside you, 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 you feel really grumpy and you, you plan ways in your mind of how you'd get your own back and so on. Uh, I must confess to a sort of very mild version of this. On the, our way here uh, th th this evening, there was a car behind that was tailgating us all the way from Harmer Hill, and I was getting a bit annoyed with him. And we got to the bottom of the, uh, is it Drawwell Street, Drawwell Lane? Drawwell Street, isn't it? Uh, and was just about to turn off right, and he was right behind me. So I slowed right down and almost stopped, making him slow down and almost. I didn't have to, I just did it because I wanted to get my own back on him. Um, but, you know, I'm I, I thinking about, Jill did tell me off a little bit. Um, thinking about it, you know, we, uh, we can draw that out, can't we? Somebody annoys us. Do you have an argument with him? He doesn't, he doesn't know he's ar you're arguing with him because um, he's not there. You, you're sitting there, you're lying awake in bed at night thinking of all the things that you would like to say to him if you had the opportunity, but you wouldn't have the courage, would you? Anger? Yeah. Rage. Oh, well, that's when it boils over a bit, doesn't it? Again, it might just be up here, not outwardly. Uh, malice. That's me slowing down to s slow somebody else down. Slander. Telling untruths about people. Running down their reputation. Filthy language. And it goes on and talks about don't lie to each other. Yeah. You can tell outright lies. You can be economical with the truth. Now, the point is, in, in mentioning all of these things, much more could be said. These are just illustrations of the sort of thing that, that the implication of how we should be living, uh, how it can affect our day-to-day -day lives. The point of saying this is that these things don't belong to our new life, our new lifestyle. Every single one of those things I think you could attach to one of the Ten Commandments, particularly in the way that Jesus said it's not just the outward things you do, but the way you think as well. It all affects the whole of us. I mentioned greed just briefly. It's another one that affects so many people. It's not to be the way that we as Christians should be living out the life that Jesus uh, has, has, has implanted in us. Uh, do you remember the old Graham Kendrick song? It's not one that uh, was sung as congregation. It's one of his solo songs. He's got the lines in it. I'm being myself in Jesus, and he's being himself in me. And the life that I live is the life that he gives. I can't remember the last line. It's gone. And I'm living it. Naturally, yes, okay. Uh, in other words, God is at work in us. You think the, um, the fruits of the Spirit, we walk with God, we have the Holy Spirit in our lives, 
and he brings out these things. Sometimes it's, we, we have to learn what that means and we go through trials and difficulties that sort of rubs us a bit raw. Uh, I remember being told as a teenager, I'd just become a Christian, and I was being told one of the most dangerous prayers to pray. Do you know what that is? A dangerous prayer to pray? Lord, help me to be loving. Because you could almost guarantee that the way that God answers that prayer is to bring every awkward person that you could possibly know through your life in the next week in order that you learn how to be loving. It's not just, as love is not just a, a matter of feeling, having those soft, gooey feelings somewhere between the lungs in your heart, you know. Oh, wonderful. But it's uh, actually loving somebody who's hurting, loving people who are difficult, loving people when you're feeling tired and you don't really have much more to give. It's showing help and compassion to them. Sometimes that's hard, isn't it? We need to be people who put off the, the works of the flesh, put off the works that belong to this world and its greed and its uh, lusts and its uh, sexual immorality, of which there is so much. And, you know, the, the way in which people break up relationships and, and, and fight amongst themselves and, and so on and so forth and the lies that people tell. We must put these things off. Now, John's going to look at the, the, the following passage where it talks about the stuff that we should put on. I'm going to pinch it. I did warn him that I might trespass a bit on his territory. Uh, you know, he was John was talking last week about Jonah and talking about repentance and saying repentance isn't just turning away from some things, it's also turning to things as well. So we must put off all the, uh, the things which they're not rules made by man like the ones Nathan was talking about last time but they're rules that are made by God because don't so much think of them as laws and rules but a bit like the maker's handbook what sort of person are you when it comes to computers or cars and so on you know do you uh, think you know it all you don't bother with the instruction book uh, computers particularly isn't it uh, having spent years trying to help people use their computers, it uh, often amazes me that they have a simple list of instructions, but no, they just make it up. And surprisingly, it doesn't work. Or if you're maintaining the car and you know that it's got, you've got to put oil in somewhere and water in another bit and petrol in another, you'd be a foolish person if you didn't follow the instructions, wouldn't you? Just, oh, there's a hole there, I'll pour water into it. It might not be a tremendously good idea. And the Bible's words to, uh, to us are a bit like the maker's handbook in this sort of passage, telling us how he's made us to live. And it's for our benefit. It's for his glory. It's for the per, uh, perfection of his church. And that's a wonderful thing. So put off the bad things. But then this is next week's passage, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people okay get that we are chosen people we belong to him christ has done it for us he's set us free to be the people we should be he's given us forgiveness he's given us uh, mercy so there's no condemnation 
He's adopted us into his family, so we belong to him. Wonderful. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with one another and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. And that, that's sort of in the context of God's people particularly, which I think is the angle that uh, John's going to be looking at next week. But it, it, you think of a society ruled by people or inhabited by people who acted in that way. And this is God's design for mankind to be expressed in his people, the church, and one day will be in all its purity and fullness. While we live here on earth, yeah, there are problems and there are difficulties caused by our ongoing sinfulness. But God is at work and he will make us this people one day like that. And in the meantime, we have a new life. Let's live the new lifestyle and show these things. It shouldn't be a burden thinking, oh, I don't want to be nice. We shouldn't feel like that, should we? I've always found that when I try to be nice to people, actually they're nice to me and, 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 and everyone gets on so much better. If I start off being grumpy, for some reason people get grumpy with me. Maybe it's catching, I don't know. Let's put on goodness, clothe ourselves with uh, the compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. And if we all did that, wouldn't life be so much simpler? Particularly within church life. And that might just strengthen us and help us to deal with the, uh, where life gets a bit dirty out in the world. So let's do as Paul says, in the light of God's mercy to us in Jesus Christ, who loved us and gave himself for us so that we can be made new. Let's live the life that he's given to us. I'll just want to emphasize the last part of that again, or the, 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 that last thought. Our final hymn uh, we're going to sing uh, in a few minutes, I've chosen it particularly because it, it talks uh, about the way uh, that you know, we, we're not gonna boast in anything except the cross of Jesus Christ, because on the cross, Jesus died for us. It also talks about the new life that we have, but it comes back to Jesus. Maybe what I've said this evening, maybe just some of the things we've looked at, uh, particularly the bad things, you're sitting there thinking, oh, I've let Jesus down. I've failed, I've, uh, I've fallen short. In Christ, you have everything. You have forgiveness, you have mercy, and you have grace to change you. Turn back to him. Come back to him. Ask for his forgiveness. Come to the cross where he died in your place. If people condemn you, know that God does not. If you are truly trusting in Jesus Christ, your sin has been dealt with. And the power of God that is at work within you is able to lead you on in a better direction. Set your hearts on things above, set your minds on things above and allow God to lead you and guide you into better ways.
there is hope for the sinner. Let's pray and then we'll hand over to uh, Nathan. Lord, we thank you that you have given us everything in Jesus Christ. Thank you that he is the one who has made a life for us. And Lord, we bow before you and we ask for your forgiveness because even those of us who have this new life find ourselves doing things which we shouldn't do. Forgive us, Lord. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness and grant us your help, your strength, your power that we might walk with you. Thank you, Lord, for that promise that you'll never leave us or forsake us. Thank you that when you, we stumble and fall, you are there and you'll pick us up and dust us down and lead us on with you. Lord, help us, we pray, for your name's sake. Amen.